Life is not a race. Life is a marathon. And you tackle it every single day, one step at a time. Hello, hello, hello. Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 154 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about their big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and of course, have some fun along the way. Today, I am so amped to be chatting with trainer and wellness coach Mossy Arias. I have been following Mossy for, gosh, some time now, so I was super interested to have this conversation with her and learn about her backstory, which without a doubt, man, has a lot of hurdles. In today's episode, she goes into a whole lot of detail getting into all of it about her coming to the U.S. from the Dominican Republic at age 13, dealing with being bullied in school, navigating abusive relationships, and also her brother's stage four cancer diagnosis. She also shares about the hurdle moment that got her into fitness, slipping into a deep depression that had her barely leaving her bedroom for eight months. Learning how to exercise changed everything for Mossy, inspiring her to not only get strong physically, but also mentally. Now today, the new mom lives in Los Angeles and she offers up fitness plans and inspiration to her millions of social media followers, feeling more fulfilled and excited for both life and her career than she ever imagined. There were so many things I loved about hearing from Mossy today. First of all, her resilience, her strength. I mean, there were points in the conversation where I had more questions, but I just kind of wanted to let her speak because again, her passion, her strength. It is awe-inspiring. And also, I can appreciate that she's a single mom, she's working her butt off, and she really puts a heavy, heavy emphasis on the importance of education when it comes to her training, to furthering her business, and so on and so forth. So, Masi, thanks so much for your time. I am inspired by you, and I'm so excited to bring this episode to the feed. Before we get into it today, I'm going to keep this intro short. I do want to encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe to the weekly Hurdle newsletter. It goes out bright and early every Friday morning. On that front, if you have something that's exciting, if there's some way that I can hype you up in the newsletter, something that you want to share with the Hurdle community, I am all ears. Feel free to shoot the Hurdle Instagram account a message. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am also over at Emily Abadi to keep me in the loop with what going on with you. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. Book Club Scheduling Conflict is going to be on April 21st. I would love to see you there. Link to sign up. The Zoom registration is in the show notes. Oh, and one, one more thing. Just one more thing. <laughs> Voicemails, questions. I want to hear from you. I want to answer them on an upcoming episode of Hurdle. Click the link in the show notes and leave me a voice message today. With that, Let's get to hurdling.
Today on the show, I am sitting down with Mossy Arias. She is a personal trainer. She's a health coach. She's an entrepreneur. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a beautiful day here in California. I have to give you some props. I personally, my fitness wardrobe, very tame on the color front. You, my friend, post the most beautiful looking ensembles as you are doing all of the crazy things that you do. But your color profile is on point. And the crazy thing is that I lived in New York for 12 years. And when I initially moved to the to the States, it was in New York City. And my favorite color was black. And it was <laughs> black head to toe all day, every day. I, I still love black, but I started to add a lot more color into my life when I came to California, when I moved and made that transition from New York to California. But it's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel self-conscious at all about the sweat and the colors? Because sometimes that's what prevents me from going bright colors for working out. Like, here's the thing. We're all adults. If I'm working out, I'm working out. I don't care if it's, I don't wear, I don't usually wear workout clothes to look cute in the clothes. Yes, I love a nice outfit. I love color, I but I don't stay away or I don't steer away from color because of the sweat. Like that is something that is going to happen regardless. So no, I don't stay away. But I know what you mean by just sweat areas looking a little suspect. <laughs> but I, I don't, I mean, I don't mind it. Just a little suspect. Well, you mentioned moving to New York. You did so from the Dominican Republic. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So talk to me about that time in your life and moving to New York City as a young girl? Oh my God, where do I start? I came to the States when I was 13. And just like every dream of all immigrants, like you move to the States to get a better life, have a better future. And that's what my parents did. So I first came with my brother, I ended up in Queens, South Ozone Park. And um, that was a really hard transition because I did not want to leave. I did not understand why am I going to, you know, I'm 13. I don't know any better. And it was a really hard transition, learning and adapting to the culture. I was bullied a lot in school just because of my accent. And it is funny because it wasn't even about other cultures that were making fun of me, but my own, like Latinos, right? So mm. that to me was very interesting. My father at the time was in a relationship with this amazing woman who she really, really took the time to concentrate on me learning the language. So she would never speak to me in Spanish, barely, just when she needed to translate a few things. And I took it upon myself to actually, you know, once that rebellious side of me, of not wanting to move and leave my friends and, and, and just as a, I was just a teenager, once that came, I came to terms with that realization, like, okay, well, this is my new normal. I took it upon myself to really integrate myself into the culture and learn the environment. And when I, Enrolled in high school, I was put in ESL, English as a second language, and a year later I was out and graduated when I was 17. 
And then my brother who came to the States with me had gone back home because he did not like the culture he is or was a mama's boy at that time. And he, he just didn't have a lot of fun here. Uh, so it was really, really hard for him to adjust to the culture. And that same brother, we are one year apart. He develops Burkitt's lymphoma. And in the transition from me graduating high school and applying to SUNY schools, meaning out of the state schools, my brother gets uh, terminal cancer, stage four. And me being the only person, you know, my dad, yes, he understands here and there English, but he still has maintained his businesses pretty much in like Spanglish. So I took it upon myself. I said, you know what? I'm not going to go away for school. This is more important. I stayed in Queens and I went to Queens College. And for about a year, I spent it in Presbyterian Hospital with my brother and my mother taking care of him. I've always been someone that in the back of my head, I've always been, my mom tells me all the time, growing up, I've always been that person with big dreams, right? So my parents, especially being the only girl in the family, had a lot of, um, put a lot of responsibility on me and had a lot of hopes that I would be as mature as I was growing up, I would just carry that on. And for me, it was really hard just transitioning, graduating and having certain dreams to then, wait a second, I have to stop all these dreams. My family's more important. From 17 to 19 was when my brother came with terminal cancer and I decided, you know what, let me just take care of my brother and be there to support my family in any way that I can. At that time, it was just me translating for my, for my mom. So in those two years, one year spending in Presbyterian hospital with my brother, I was going to school full-time, being in the hospital full-time with my, with my mom and working part-time at this store, Aldo selling accessories. And I supported myself with the school grants and my little job. So my brother gets better. I get into a relationship that truly, I was too young, to be quite honest with you, too young, didn't know what I was doing. And in a transition from 19 to 22, I can tell you that I pretty much lost myself. My decision of emancipate to emancipate came at a heavy cost because I felt alone. I didn't have my family. And then I fell into lying to my parents because I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up with school. I couldn't keep up with work. I miss my family so much. I, you know, the decision to emancipate was not something that my parents agreed on. So it was me rebelling and saying, no, absolutely no, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to make something out of myself. So in these three years, I literally was involved in a relationship that I taught me a lot, but gave me body dysmorphia. <laughs> and this person truly just 
disrespected every single thing I could think a woman feels respected by. So, and meaning I was too young. Being in a relationship with someone a little bit older, a few years, not by a lot, but a few years, a couple of years older. And it was not fun. And I found myself lying to my parents about this relationship, lying to my parents about my performance in school, lying to my parents about what I was doing every single day. And at 19, I started to get all these tattoos. I hid all these things from my parents. And it was a couple of years of complete just, just recklessness. It truly shaped me with a lot of insecurities. I was very disappointed in myself for not carrying through the life that I said I was gonna carry through as a young woman. And it was, I was spiraling and I had no control, pretty much. No control whatsoever. At some point I started feeling that I was not living to the full, like to my, to the expectations that I had, to the expectations that my parents had. And in the Latino culture, our parents put a lot of responsibility <laughs> on their children. And my parents knew, like, they knew Masi's gonna be something great. Masi's gonna be something great. And I wasn't great. So in those years of I'm becoming a woman, not having my, my, my mother close to me, just becoming a woman, figuring things out on my own, it was really, really hard. And I was so stubborn. I thought I could do it all and everything's going to be okay. And I'm going to manage everything. And I'm going to show my parents, A, my decision of going against the group, what they wanted me to do was worth it. So then I made a decision of, I need to do something different. I really have to open up to what's really happening. My father comes back from the Dominican Republic, comes back to the States, and I decide this relationship, it's not going to, like, a break, broke up. And from the breakup, everything pretty much hit. I said, what am I doing? My father comes back and I quit everything. So in the next eight months, I spent it in a room. My dad, I quit everything. And my dad said, let me just help you. Um, this is what I'm here for. Let's reconnect this couple of years or three, four years that he had been gone. And I spent it in a room. I used to live in Brooklyn at that time in this tiny little apartment with my dad. I spent eight months in a room not doing anything. So that's when my depression and pretty much my decision to start fitness came about. So in this eight months, a lot of people suffer from depression and suffer and, and exhibit different responses to it. I was just not eating. And mind you, I am almost 5'9". I'm a pretty tall person. I was down to 110 pounds, but not 110 pounds of, A, she has lean muscle mass, A, she looks great. No, it was just unhealthy. And I was not the healthiest person coming out of not living a very healthy lifestyle. So my body started destroying itself. My body started, my gums started receding. I was losing my hair. I, I became so scrawny and so 
small. It was, you could see my ribs. It was just not healthy. And I tried pretty much everything from cognitive therapy to herbal medicine, to hypnosis, to try to get these feelings of, of just heartache. I want to just unpack and double click for a moment, going back to this time in your life where you knew you weren't in the healthiest relationship. And because of that, you started to hide aspects of your life, obviously all the tattoos with the people you care about. I mean, I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to for different reasons in their lives, right? Like when we know that something might not be the best for us, but we're not ready to let it go yet we just stop filling in all the blanks. For you at that time, was there anyone that you talked to about your relationship or was that all just deep inside? My best friend, you know, my best friend. And it wasn't the best. I I just hit it. My, I remember showing a picture to my mother and my mother did not like this guy. So I hit everything. You know, my, my family was very orthodox you have to do these things and this is how you're going to graduate from high school, then graduate from college, then find a nice man. You're going to marry and just buy the book. And I've never been this type of person. I've never been traditional from a very beginning. My mom describes me as someone very not traditional. And I was hiding all these things because it wasn't what my parents wanted for me. So my imagine 17 years old, a kid, you're out. You make this decision that is not what your parents want. And you say, uh-uh, I'm going to show you guys. Just stubborn. And I hid everything from my parents. I was so stubborn and so proud. And it was just, I spiraled out, yeah. just out of control with everything. No wonder why when you were in that room all of the time and you were just feeling so overwhelmed because it wasn't even like, you had, in your mind, let your family down, but you hadn't even had a legitimate conversation with yourself about what it was that you wanted. You were just so beside yourself about this idea that you weren't living out or doing what they made you feel like you were supposed to do. Yeah. And that transition, like from the 17 to 22, I know what it is to live in one bedroom apartment with three roommates eat cup of noodle soups. I was so proud. I would not contact my parents for absolutely anything, anything. I said, I'm going to do this myself. And I'm just, I was so proud. <laughs> there was one book that I purchased for a breakup, how to heal a breakup. I remember. And I felt so lost in one of the exercises that the book had at that time was that I needed to get rid of all the toxic things in my life. That's when I made the transition of, okay, I have to let this go. All toxic things, alcohol, cigarettes, weed, all of it, the clubbing, the everything. I removed people that didn't need to belong in my life that made, that encouraged me to do these things. I removed absolutely everything that I thought was anchoring me, anchoring me in sadness, anchoring me in bad habits, anchoring me in bad choices. And one of the healthiest choices was exercise. And it, it actually mentioned it in the book. I was not going outside. I was not even taking in sun. And 
I remember with my best friend, we signed up for the gym. And mind you, I'm 110 pounds. I can't even do a push-up. I'm just so little. And there was one thing that carried everything up to this point. I wanted to feel strong. And for me, it wasn't even about my physical strength because I was so weak. I was so weak. A lot of people don't know. I have exercise-induced asthma. I'm allergic to the world. I have so many allergies. <laughs> I have, I, I said, oh my God, I, I, reflecting on it, I can't believe that I was just in this toxic relationship. How? How did I bring so much toxicity in my life? I'm, I know better. I felt like an imposter. I felt like I was not living to the full, my fullest potential. And when it came to exercise, A lot of people don't relate exercise to actually life. I was the girl who could not, I was a cardio bunny at that time because I didn't know how to do anything. And in the transition, the last couple of months that I was with my dad in that room, I started educating myself because I had to do something at some point. I had to do something at some point. I said, if I continue this way, I don't think I am going to be here because I had suicidal thoughts. I, I was literally destroying myself from the inside out. So I started moving and it was the elliptical. My friend and I would go to the elliptical. She's a little bit more to love than I am and that I was at that time. And we were just like, do the elliptical here and there. Um, I was going out more. I was feeling a lot better. Right after being on the elliptical, I would feel better. I would come home. I started to get a little bit more hungry. But then I said, wait a second, I'm just wasting away. I went all the way down to like 108 pounds. So how did I make a transition to even heavier lifts? I started going to the library. And to avoid my father from coming home to catch me in the middle of the afternoon when I was telling him, oh, no, I'm still going to school, but I'm not. I would go to the library and I would get all these books. I remember like all the ACE books, uh, the NASA books, and I would read. And I remember I opened up Instagram in 2011. I opened up Instagram and it was just a outlet for me to meet new people. And in this book, not only did I get rid of all the toxic things, but I started making new relationships, started making new relationships in the gym because we were regulars, started making new relationships in this app that at that time was a filter app. And then people would interact with you. And I remember when I first started my journey, I couldn't even do a push up, nothing. I just wanted to feel super strong. So I started educating myself and I started using Instagram to share just share what I was doing. And I remember one photo went viral in the middle of me just being depressed, me trying to figure it out. One picture went viral. I get 11,000 followers out of nowhere. I said, why? Just my stomach? Like, I'm not even healthy. And I would talk about these things. Mm. At that time, it was Manco Beco. I would talk about these things. I'm not healthy. And I literally started sharing my journey and people saw someone from zero turning to the person that I am today. And there is a huge connection to me between the strength that I feel in the gym and with doing all the things that I thought I would, I was never going to accomplish. It, I related to my mindset. It taught me how to be 
regimented how to be hopeful that, A, I may not be able to do this right now, but in a week or two or three or four, I accomplish. I accomplish absolutely everything that I wanted to accomplish. And at that time, bodybuilding.com had Jamie Eason. And she had a 12-week program out there that I did. And I tried to emulate it as much as possible as I, as I could, the best that I could. And I couldn't do any of the things that she had put besides like maybe a five-pound dumbbells, couldn't do the push-ups, couldn't, couldn't even understand anything. And that was the transition to, oh my God, this is making me feel good. Oh my God, I can put all my energy into something that is making me feel accomplished. Then I started to get popularity. I meet some people on social media. And then I started seeing this industry of like people that compete and they manipulate their bodies. Oh my God, bodybuilding. I competed in all these fitness competitions for a year and a half. And it was the most unhealthy industry you can think of. It created a lot of issues like body, even more body dysmorphia, because when you're getting on stage, someone is telling you my 24 inch waist at that time. And mind you, I have very narrow hips, very, very narrow hips. And someone is telling me getting a corset, make your waist smaller so that you have the appearance of making your hips larger. This is I, as I started to learn about nutrition, I'm, I'm looking at my plan and I said, how is this possible? This doesn't make any sense. Where are all my vitamins and my nutrients and my micronutrients? Like this doesn't make sense. I saw a lot of girls who would prepare themselves for these competitions, not even having the right amount of time to build enough muscle, um, doing crash diets, doing just the most unhealthy things, developing bulimia, anorexia, body dysmorphia, all kinds, all kinds of conditions that are within the, you know, body dysmorphia disorder. So I said, I need to create a plan that made sense. How can someone accomplish their goals and still maintain a healthy relationship with food? So I went from the bodybuilding training competition side into health and wellness. And I made that transition and it's been amazing. I haven't stopped. Like I said, I am never going to stop doing what I'm doing because my story and my journey and even the creation of my businesses have helped thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. We've served over 300,000 people. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to all of you about some of my sponsors. First up, Athletic Greens. Can I tell you, every single person that I introduced to Athletic Greens lately, I love their responses. For those of you that are out of the loop, Athletic Greens is a greens powder. It's got the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, as well as prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens and superfoods. If that sounds like a lot, it is. And it is just, it's so awesome that you can get all of that goodness from one 
daily supplement. Again, I have been introducing it to a lot of my friends lately, and the feedback is almost always the same. It is, wow, I didn't think that I would like something like this. I think a lot of people expect Athletic Greens by the name to taste a little bit grassy. Trust me, it is nothing like that. It's got the perfect hint of sweetness that tastes great. It's super refreshing, and drinking it every single morning, it gives me the boost I need to kick off my day right. They are offering her to listeners an awesome, deal. It is five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D. Super important with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get yours today. No code necessary. I also want to give some love to my sponsor at Gooder. Who doesn't love cute sunglasses? I'll wait. (laughs) The answer is no one, and Gooder has you covered. They've got no bounce, no scratch, polarized styles that start at just $25. I love gifting Gooder sunglasses, and I love the feedback that I get when I do. I mean, seriously, I have never found another brand of sunglasses who makes such high quality products at such a low price point. I am personally super big on their Blackout Mock Gs. They're a cute black aviator style, but they have shapes and looks for everyone. Perfect for both tackling a long weekend run or wearing to brunch. They have an awesome deal for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to gooder.com slash hurdle that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash hurdle and use code hurdle 2021 for $10 off your order today. Again, that is gooder.com slash hurdle. Use code hurdle 2021 for $10 off today. Shout out first and foremost to your good friend who listened to you when you were going through those hard times. And then the the woman that showed up with you to go to the elliptical to help you get out of your own way to like embrace fitness. I think everyone needs a friend like that. And I often think that it's hard, especially, I mean, you guys met when you were younger, but especially when you get older to find those friends that are like non-judgmental and you can just be completely yourself with. That's just so, so important. And then to follow that up, the concept that you started to work out and you started with the elliptical and the elliptical became your gateway to doing so much more. I think many struggle with this idea that sometimes, yes, the first step is the hardest, but you're not going to be able to do the bench press, do the push-up, do the heavy squat, run a marathon, all of these things from moment one. And so for you, and I'm sure I know because I follow you on Instagram, you've talked about this before, just the power of that first step, the power of that self-belief, the power that if you truly believe that you can do something, then you are the person that's got to light that fire. You are the person that's got to go after it. Oh, yes. Most people think that I have been an athlete since high school and they have no idea. I don't want people to consume my fitness as entertainment. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the real of things. I am not going to be doing things that potentially can send the wrong message, even though 
you can send the wrong message unintentionally, you know? So for me, when I speak to a beginner, I fell in love with how I felt. It's hard, (laughs) especially when you're starting and you don't know where to even begin. It is probably one of the hardest things that you are going to do. But because it's one of the hardest things changing your lifestyle, it's going to be one of the hardest things that you ever do. It's going to teach you how to be resilient and how to be relentless if there's consistency in it. And when you fall in love with the feeling, think about how you're feeling. And to me, it was the after because in the beginning, oh my God. Did not feel good. The alarm reaction that your body has and the soreness and and you're just like, what? This is going to be my life for the, you know, for the rest of my life. I had to learn a lot because I went from like zero to like hero without knowing, without knowing much. And until I got all my certifications, until I got the education, until the years of experience and learning, even learning different philosophies from different mentors that I've had were at this point. So thankfully, I've even on the business, we've removed that, hey, you're going to start from a from zero and, and here's what I'm going to give you. No, we've developed programming that is sustainable. And that is the whole brand. It's always been about mental health, about performance and the body follows. It's always been about making the healthy choices first so that you can start feeling better. And then we get a little bit more technical. Okay. Because at the end of the day, for me, fitness is more than just the aesthetics. The body is there because of all the things that I do and the consistency that I have. But the the foundation of all the things that I do come from the standpoint that I am, this is my healthy outlet to cope with anxiety, with sadness, with fear, with everything. This is my outlet. If you cannot relate exercise and and, and living this lifestyle as a, this is the game of life, then you're going to have a hard time getting into it. I'm curious. You went from being very closed off and being open about what was going on with your life, only sharing some details with few individuals. Did you go through a period where it was quite difficult for you to be actually transparent about what you were going through, even in terms of your fitness journey, because you were used to being so closed off? Did you feel just so vulnerable when you started to share with more and more people and that Instagram following really took off? I feel vulnerable with my family, with the people that were close to me, not vulnerable with the strangers that now have become sort of like my, my tribe. Right. Um, and I understood that my story, the amount of emails, Oh my God, the amount of, at some point I used to get so many letters, the amount of, emails and and people that would stop me in the street like you have no idea how you've changed my life and still it's it was incredible so it's so funny because my family started to learn about all these things especially my mom when i started to share my journey she didn't know really what i was going through 
And a lot of my family found out like, oh my God, Masi was dealing with this. And oh my God, Masi was this. Yes. And they found out through social media. Do you remember that first conversation you had with your mom to actually address some of the things that had happened? She was so upset. She was so upset because she blames herself. Oh, I wasn't like she wasn't there for me. And it wasn't that I didn't want her to be there for me. It was like, I have so much respect for this woman who raised me. If I could be 50% of who my mother is, oh my God, I've accomplished a lot. She's amazing. And it was my decision. And she took it very personal. Our relationship is completely different now. It's, it's, she's my best friend. My family completely changed and we're open now. We're a, the transition from what happened to my brother, it's, it's made my family a lot more different, a lot healthier. Did he pass away? No, he's alive. My brother is a miracle. And wow. I remember when we got the diagnosis that he was uh, cancer free because he, and my, let me, re, let me use that word again about terminal. Stage four, stage four, cancer. And when he got better, this is going to sound crazy, <laughs> but I remember my brother waking up one day and saying that he didn't want any treatments, that he felt this warm feeling in his stomach and that God had cured him and that he didn't want any, anything he didn't want, period. And when we, when the doctors did CAT scans, they realized that the tumors that were at some point the size of a baseball and they were shrinking with the treatment because he got radiation, he had um, multiple uh, treatments for, for his cancer with chemo and chemo is pretty much poison in your body. So when they did a CAT scan. They realized, oh my God, these tumors that were the size of a golf ball, it's just the scars. So to me, my brother is a miracle. And to me, it brought a lot of hope. So my family completely changed. The whole family completely changed because this to us was a miracle. I know something else that for sure has changed you forever, the birth of your daughter. When you were pregnant with your daughter, talk about photos that go, went viral, obviously. Mm -hmm. I don't need to tell you twice. You still having, you know, visible abs while being pregnant. I'm sure the feedback that you got at that time, so much of it unsolicited, couldn't have been easy to navigate. You know, my pregnancy was very controversial in a sense that, let me be straight with you. Humans, modern humans, we're not supposed to be sitting. We're not supposed to be driving for hours in cars. We're not supposed to be sitting in front of computers. We are pers persistent hunters. So in the hunter-gatherer days, you had pregnant women. It doesn't matter even if they just gave birth and they had to migrate every single day, five to six miles. Men used to travel 11 to 12 miles to hunt. So we're creatures that are um, made to move. And when I got pregnant, I remember I found out that I was pregnant. Once I pretty much collapsed on a tough mudder, right at the end, 
I said, oh my God, this doesn't feel like Masi. What is happening? Turns out the next day I took a pregnancy test because my period was late and boom, I'm pregnant. So my pregnancy, I never, every single post that I make, it's never to, with the intention of making people feel that I'm better than them or that I'm doing things right. I do things my way. And I was at the top of my fitness. I couldn't be any healthier, any more powerful when I got pregnant with Indy. So I just carried that through my entire pregnancy. I never stopped moving on days that I would feel bad, nauseous, whatever. I know what made me feel good. And that was movement. So I would force myself to get in a little elliptical work to feel great. And I never stopped. I never stopped my routines. And I consulted with my midwife. Everything was just going normal. I never experienced any symptoms that are associated with having high inflammation, having um, unhealthy foods, no dysmenorrhea, no hemorrhoids, no bleeding gums. I had literally a healthy pregnancy with none of the known pregnancy symptoms that people have. I educated myself a lot. I am someone, I mean, I can turn this computer around and you see all these books. So not only did I educate myself month to month because I wanted to have a really healthy pregnancy. And it, I actually was the healthiest when I was with Indy because everything that I would eat, I knew that it would affect her, mm -hmm. right? So I had a very controversial pregnancy. It was some days were really just frustrating because people are just very judgmental. And when you're opening yourself to a global audience, you're going to be opening yourself to a lot of opinions hmm? by people that don't know the actual situation that you're living in. So it was pretty, um, I just posted my pictures and yes, I still have a six. I still had a six pack. I was like six, almost six months. And you still see, um, a two pack. I popped, I think a week before the seven months. And that was a lot of controversy, but it shouldn't be because when you, or I guess it should be because it's not the norm, you know? Mm. Um, but he taught a lot of people, Hey, you can, you can actually have a really healthy pregnancy and, and, and you can still continue if you had already a certain activity level or a certain performance, uh, peak, you can still continue. Once she was born and she was healthy and the way that I transitioned that postpartum process, it was really hard. I think people saw, oh, okay, she's not bragging about a six pack. She actually, you know, did the things that she needed to do based on her condition at that time. The fact that she was healthy and didn't have any issues and people respected that once she was born. How'd you brush off the negativity when it was just like ever present during like months five, months six, months seven of your pregnancy? I realized there's a book that I love that I would recommend anyone to read. And the book is by um, David Foster Wallace, This is Water. 
I understand that people may have different opinions, different experiences, have had different experiences. And when you're open to a global audience, you're just going to have opinions. And I've come to terms with that. And I don't let it impact me in a negative way because I know who I am and I know my intentions. And someone who doesn't know me is just portraying their own insecurities onto me. I understood mm -hmm. that from a very long time that people actually showcase their insecurities onto others. And doesn't face me. Love that feedback. Okay. So in your life right now, what excites you? Seeing my daughter grow. It excites me because I can, I'm literally shaping a mini me, <laughs> just like my mom shaped a mini her, you know? Um, what excites me is all of the all of the attention that this pandemic has brought to health and wellness. That excites me because I feel like consumers are going to get a lot more educated, educated. What excites me? Expanding my business. One of the things that I've wanted to do for a very long time, and now I'm at a point where I can do that, has been making my fitness accessible to everyone and creating, I'm in the process of creating or getting to the finish line, a app and a web app. And I know that there's a million and one apps out there, um, but this is something that I've been working very hard on and it's going to offer people education and the right tools from actual professionals. One of the questions that I had here on this um, as preparation was, what's the one advice that was given to you, the best advice that was given to you personally or professionally? And one of them is when you know better, do better. So I know that I can, my forte is what I do. But there's so many different aspects of health and wellness that I'm not an expert in. So when you think about health and wellness and the medical field or just the health industry, I can tell you that based on the access that I have, because my money goes into my body, I much rather go to the best specialist in energy so that I can have good energy levels being that I do so much and I have to come home to a full toddler who needs my energy, I much rather spend my money working with an energy doctor instead of buying me a $5,000 bag. So it's always been me. And I know that this type of holistic health is very expensive for a lot of people. So we've been in development for a year and a half now <laughs> of this platform that is going to offer not only just, just workouts and, and healthy eating, it's going to offer professionals that are, that are helping those who cannot afford a holistic doctor or who don't even know where to get the right information because now, you know, information is 
you have to fact check everything, right? <laughs> and there's a lot of miscommunication and not miscommunication, miseducation in the health and wellness space. That's exciting. That's a Very big deal exciting. in a year and a half. It's a long time coming. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of moving pieces. And like I shared with you, I'll say single mom, there's a lot of people that don't know how many hats I have to put on. And it's been, this is probably one of my proudest moments besides having Indy, being able to do this with my child, being a single mom and just being a boss. (laughs) (laughs) I love these vibes. Okay. I'm winding you down here right now as a boss you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice looking back on those darker years, those years where you were staying in one room all day, struggling through that depression. You have an opportunity right now to offer her a piece of advice. What do you tell her? We never lose. Either we win or we learn. That has been one quote that I've used for so many years. I don't, I don't feel fear anymore. You can tell me, Masi, um, we want to go to the moon. And I would say, well, let's get to work. Let's work on a sustainable plan to get to the moon and how are we going to get there? I've never let fear, well, now transition. I don't let fear stop me from doing anything that I want. And it's always been, that's how I built pretty much my brand. I have no fear. I know what it is to feel like you don't want to live. Therefore, nothing else brings me fear. I've already reached a point where if I don't do something different, I will not be here today. Therefore, anything that I have ahead of me is, it's nothing. I know that I can accomplish it little by little, even if it takes me my whole life getting it done. At least I'm doing, I'm living my life with purpose. You never lose. Either you win or you learn. Masi, thank you so much, so much, so much for your time today. What an incredible story. How do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give me all of your details. Well, I'm on every social media platform. Instagram as Masi Arias, M-A-S-S-Y Arias, A-R-I-A-S. Launching soon, my app. You're going to see everything on the website, masiarias.com. You can follow me on YouTube. There's a lot of amazing content. You can follow me anywhere, like literally (laughs) everywhere. And there's a lot of things that we're preparing um, and coming to the future. So thank you so much for your time and I just want to end this by telling whoever is listening that if you are in any situation where you think that your environment that you cannot get out of your environment, you can get out of your environment. Assess what is anchoring you. Assess the toxic people and the toxic behaviors and the toxic choices. And you have the ability to turn that around and don't let your goals or that one dream you have deter you from accomplishing because it looks so big and so far from you. Life is not a race. Life is a marathon and you tackle it every single day, one step at a time. 
I'm so grateful for your energy and your vibe. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.